I've had people that are always looking for the deal or the, you know, the, the house that's they can steal or whatever, and it never happens. And by the time they realize it, they're spending a hundred thousand dollars more. There's no deals to no. be had like up here. There's no, you're not going to, you're not going to get a deal on a cottage no. right now. I'm glad we're saying this out loud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good morning. How are you, Aaron? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, to everybody listening, this is episode 94 of KT Confidential. I'm Adrian. I'm the co-owner of the Cormendi Tra team and KT Property Management. My normal partner, Ariel, is out uh, up north, actually near you, Aaron. We're enjoying some relaxation at the cottage right now. Nice. So this is your second time on. I know. I was trying to remember the last time you had me. Was it March, April? Can't remember. All I, I remember it was our eighth episode of uh, recording in quarantine. Right. So it was in an, or sometime in April, I suspect. Right. Yeah. A lot's changed in the last, what is that? How many months? My goodness. Uh, this year kind of has been a very strange year. I, can't, I cannot believe it's, a, it's September. Right. It's unbelievable. And I've done virtually nothing all summer. We've been super busy though, <laughs> but the year has just flown by. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I just wanted to get you to do for me is last time you were on, Ariel gave a very generic breakdown of who you were. He was like previously photographer, currently real <laughs> estate agent, also Adrian's sister-in-law. I would like you to tell the audience your origin story. Like, where did you start? Go back as far as you want. Where were you born? How did you end up where you are today? <laughs> That's fun. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So born and raised in Brampton, Ontario. Um, I never left home to go to school. I went to U of T in uh, the Mississauga campus for art and art history and kind of minored in photography, always was always interested in, I would spend my allowance on disposable cameras. And I knew that, you know, the artist within wanted out and I thought I was going to be an art teacher. Both my parents were teachers. So naturally. Um, and then I kind of, yeah, I shot weddings, probably the first wedding uh, when I was 18, just turning 19. So you know, I'm 39 now, full disclosure. That's a big responsibility <laughs> for somebody to entrust you to shoot their wedding at that age. Absolutely. And I didn't even charge anything. Like I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I thought this is great experience, great um, practice. So I just, you know, I did it for friends and whatever, or they would just pay for my film. That's how long ago I shot. Right. I was on rolls of film. So did you have, uh, were you processing these on your own or were you yeah. sending, wow. Yeah. So my program was, my U of T program was joint with Sheridan College. So I had full use of their darkroom and I would develop my own negatives and prints. And I really miss the darkroom days actually quite relaxing, just hours. The whole day would be shot just in the darkroom. And I do miss that. So yeah. So I've been shooting weddings and it morphed into shooting um, for like moving up here. Uh, Brad and I own a commercial painting company. So we would work with and interior designers and uh, naturally, I would go and photograph them for their websites or whatever, and was shooting homes for really the last 14 years. So I started to work for a lot of realtors in Muskoka. I was like 
shooting listings all over the place and not really charging a lot. I mean, if you know anything about Muskoka real estate, if you're on the big three, you're, you're into multi-million dollar listings. And I wasn't, I wasn't really shoot or charging enough rather. And it's like, I started to think to myself, this is probably three or four years ago now that I'm like, I think I need to be shooting my own listings. I think, I think that, you know, also side note, my parents have been uh, realtors for many, many years to my dad, probably 20 years um, outside of teaching. So I was always exposed to real estate. It was always the subject of conversation at Thanksgivings and Christmas and stuff. Uh, and I generally believe that everybody has somewhat of an interest in real estate. So we're always just kind of talking about it. And then uh, Brad and I are always searching realtor.ca and whatnot. So I was like, you know what? I think I need to make a transition. I'm I'm growing out of the wedding scene. I don't want to shoot weddings anymore. Um, and all these beautiful homes coming and going. And I'm thinking I need to be listing them myself. So it was about like three or four years ago that it, it kind of dawned on me that I should become a realtor. And if I'm not mistaken, I think your one year anniversary is coming up very soon. Of being a realtor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I was licensed um, September. I don't remember the date. I should know that. I remember last time you mentioned something about September. Yeah. Yeah. September. So that, and that the one year for real estate agents is a kind of a, a pinnacle point because the drop off rate within the first year is extremely high. So I'm curious for, you know, well, I'm, now that you're just coming up on that date, maybe to give some advice or feedback on your experiences for other people that might be in a similar position or contemplating getting into real estate, how have you found it? Difficult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, extremely difficult, extremely challenging. Um, geez, where do I begin? I, I, I'm... I'm still enjoying it though. I think it's important to note that I love the learning process. I love, I love gaining experience. Um, but definitely in this market, the seller's market up here, it's been exceptionally challenging. Uh, I, I, have learned a lot. Um, and there has been times where I'm like, I do not want to do this anymore. I definitely have had those moments where you just get, disappointment after disappointment, or, you know, you lose the deals in multiple offer scenarios and I'm, and I wasn't winning anything and I haven't, you know, it's just been like, why am I doing this? If it's just this hard, it's so hard. Um, well, not somebody, only that, but I mean, just even just getting that client is yeah. hard, right? Yeah, for sure. Taking, taking somebody and having them trust you to help them with their purchase or sale. Yeah. Let alone the process. Yeah. So I've built a lot of really great, um, buyer relationships. Um, I have marketed myself as a buyer rep or buyer agent. Um, not intentionally, just, I, you say what, you know, you speak, you know, you, you, I, I've owned, I own three or two cottages here in Muskoka and, uh, and I live in Huntsville. So I own three homes up here and waterfront property just is my specialty and what to look for in a cottage in a three season cottage or a four season cottage, uh, what to look for in an, in a short-term rental, uh, income property, you you do what you know. And so I've been talking from my experience to everybody on Instagram and Facebook and thus drawing buyers 
to, to me saying, I want to do what you guys did. I want what you guys have. Can you find me a cottage? So the next thing I know, I've got like 12, 14 buyers that all want the same thing, <laughs> the same price range. Um, and I'm sitting here, I'm a bit spinning my wheels. I've made, I've done a few deals, but uh, for the most part, I'm just like, holy smokes, like this is a ton of work for not a lot of gain. And uh, quite a bit of disappointment for my buyers because we are, there's multiple offer situations up here that we are not winning. And yeah. it, you know, if you can't come in at full asking or over with no conditions on a cottage, I mean, people, they're uncomfortable with that. They want a home inspection. They want to know if the septic system works. Like, of course, it's a huge investment. So we're putting conditions in and we're losing because our offer has conditions. Yeah. Well, and that's a good topic of conversation just quickly because I've, I'm experiencing very much the same thing here in the city, but it's a bit different because I imagine many of the cottages you're looking at are older, perhaps mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. some maybe in need of repair um, and in questionable conditions. So it's a bit more risky, I would mm -hmm. think, than buying a house that's on municipal services without conditions. Right. Um, and I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday uh, because I'll be putting an offer on a place today that, and we'll be in multiple offers. And I was conveying to them that obviously, you know, as a real estate agent, we need to advise our buyers that it's smart to do home inspection. Um, and they, but at the same time, they're not going to buy a house with one. Right. Um, so, and if you are going to, as a seller in multiple offers, let's say you have two offers in hand, one for a million bucks with no conditions. So it's a done deal. They sign it off get the deposit, done deal. Versus another one with, let's say, just a three-day condition to get a home inspection. That home inspection, I would think they would have to spend at least, I think it's even low, at least $20,000 more to convince the, bot, the seller to consider that, mm -hmm. uh, if not more. Because mm -hmm. you know, if that, if that home inspection doesn't go well and the deal falls apart, the seller's back to square one. They may not have that pool of buyers bidding on the house again. It's a big risk to take. Mm -hmm. So in essence, that home inspection is costing that buyer $20,000 or more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I have a deal. I have a deal going on right now where um, we did win with one condition of financing. And it's because I, so I saw it online and within an hour of it being listed, I called my buyer. I said, this is checking all the boxes for you guys. You want me to drive over there right now? And I did. I previewed it. I FaceTimed it. He put an offer inside unseen other than FaceTime with the condition of financing. Um, our, our irrevocable was, I don't, it was over 24 hours, but it was under 48. I forget. But he, that seller waited until the very, very, very last minute, literally 10.57 a.m and um, accepted ours only to receive multiple offers after ours with no conditions, full asking over and everything. And he's like, you know, he trusted me. I, I said, you make, you're making the right decision. This family, this with small children, like, this is their dream. This is their absolute dream. Thank you for taking a chance on us. You know, he's solid. Um, we're now a week and a bit later and we're sweating our financing. He, I, I have confidence it's going to come through, but like the appraisal, What's up with appraisals? Like they're different now in this market, right? Like yeah. are people paying what the cottages are worth or are, or are they pay, overpaying? Like, ugh. Yeah. Well, it's, 
I think it goes back to 2017 when we experienced a similar market and uh, that became a big issue then as appraisers weren't able to keep up with what houses were actually selling for. Right. Like, you know, they, they weren't, they don't see it. They don't see the same environment as us about how competitive it is mm-hmm. and how, you know, the, the value of bank may perceive a house to be is very different than what a buyer will when they're competing against people. Right. Um, so that's, that can be very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're sweating over here. You got to make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I made this deal happen. Let me tell you, I, I, I have hustled for these buyers for a few months now and we, I have just had, yeah, disappointment after disappointment. So finally we got this one and it's like, Oh, please, please, please go through. (laughs) Well, the conversation is transitioning nicely into, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about is how the market is, um, up there and down here, I think it's probably, it sounds like it's very, very similar. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. competitive. Um, is, is inventory low there or do you just have a, an abundance of buyers? I don't, no, inventory is not low. Um, it's just moving too fast. You know, it's coming on, it's selling. It's coming on, it's conditional, like almost same day. Um, and it's it's all price points too. Like anywhere, you know, from the off-grid cabin for 250 to a million to they're moving. And, um, so, you know, that, that's, I'm trying to encourage my buyers and let them know that stuff keeps coming up. Like, don't worry. Like August is typically a slower month in real estate up here. Hasn't really, hasn't really slowed down. Hasn't really, um, stopped. So it's like, okay, so, so stuff is coming. So let's just wait. Like maybe something else will be out there and, um, I think there's two seasons up here. I don't know what you guys, but there's two hot, hot seasons. It's spring and fall. Is yeah. We generally see a spike during the same time. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens this year. If it might be delayed a little bit because of the school year, uh, and Halton has just been delayed by a week for the starting date. Right. So, and with COVID and whatnot, but I mean, the whole year has been very different for us. It's been like our spike. We had a spike in early spring and then it died down because of COVID. Then it came again in the middle of summer. And now, you know, maybe it'll die down for a couple of weeks with school, who knows. And then, you know, perhaps we'll see it again towards the end of September. But yeah, we generally see that spring and fall. If there's one thing that I have noticed is that um, buyers are tired, like from losing, right? So they're just like, you know what, we're going to take a break. Maybe we'll revisit this in the fall and that's fine. I get it. It's stressful it's exhausting. It's all of your time spent. Um, and so buyers are really, the inventory hasn't changed, but buyers are really pulling back, just pumping the brakes, being like, I'm tired. So, um, that's, you know, that's disappointing after you've worked for four or five months with one client. Um, but I'm trying to stay positive and I'll keep sending them properties, but buyers, buyers, as far as the cottage market goes, are getting a little fed up. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm seeing it too. I have clients right now. They've been out. We've pricing thirty houses. They've put offers on multiple uh, and lost out. And in many cases, just to outrageous selling prices that you know I couldn't fathom possibly seeing those houses sell for. And they're getting very tired. But mm-hmm. the, the challenge is now if you if you are going to buy and you pull your out of the market and you're waiting, especially if it's a second property like you're talking about the markets, the houses are appreciating and the bidding Mm -hmm. is going to continue. So when Mm -hmm. you pick up 
things again in the fall or early winter, the prices are going to be higher than they are now, mm -hmm. I suspect, unless we I see things so. change, but I don't think we will. I think so. I, I definitely, um, I don't feel as though there's gap price gouging per se, um, because people are going to pay what the property is worth, right? You know, the, you can list for whatever you want. It can, it's going to sit there. If you are price gouging, it's pretty obvious uh, to the educated buyer. Um, so there isn't a lot of, I did have a, I had a conversation with a client last night over the phone and he was just so worried that he's going to overpay for something. He's like, I don't want to. And I'm like, no, you're going to pay what it's worth. That's definitely what's happening. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, like it, like I'll give an example. I was in multiple offers on a house not long ago. The house ended up selling for uh, reasonable, but a fair bit more than what um, we deemed to be good money. And so this new buyer, they won the bid, they get the house, they're going to move in, but they've set the new precedent, right? Yeah. So now the next house is at list. They're basing their valuation off of these higher prices. So, you know, I see from a buyer's perspective, they don't want to overpay, but at the end of the day, the houses will appreciate. If they don't overpay now, they may never get a house. And a year from now, they'll look back and say, oh my God, I've already made money on it. I'm glad I did that. Right. Right. So, you know, I've, I've worked with buyers in the past who told me that the one regret they had previously when buying houses was that they didn't stretch their budget to get the house they really wanted. Because hmm. if they had of, they wouldn't be moving now. Um, maybe a little bit different for uh, vacation properties or or whatever, but sometimes stretching your budget a little bit makes a big difference. I've had people that are always looking for the deal or the, you know, the, the house that they can steal or whatever, and it never happens. And by the time they realize it, they're spending a hundred thousand dollars more. There's no deals to no. be had like up here. There's no you're not gonna you're not gonna get a deal on a cottage no. right now. I'm glad we're saying this out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, and and I mean sometimes that the only way a buyer will realize that is by going through the motions. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes has to happen. But uh, the sooner they trust your advice and and work with you, the quicker they'll see the results and get a actually get a property. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. How are you finding it is to work with other agents in this market right now? Well, I had a situation recently that I've already told you about, but there's, and I run into this stuff all the time. And this is one of the reasons I got into real estate because I think there's such a void of quality service, um, just from competency to actual services that people provide. But I was, you know, I was, um, I'd scheduled a showing very early in the day, uh, like late morning to see a property later in the day. And I got confirmation around lunchtime. And, um, oh no, sorry. I booked it a day in advance. So let's say I booked it today for tomorrow kind of thing. Um, anyways, tomorrow rolls around. We're going to go see this house and oh no, my, my timeline's all screwed up right now, Aaron. <laughs> okay. I'm going to see this house tomorrow. Tonight at seven, oh no, at yeah, seven o'clock, I get an automated email from this real estate agent's brokerage saying, by the way, there is a registered offer on this, two registered offers on this home. So I didn't get one the first time saying there's one registered. 
And then another saying, now there's another. It was just one email, seven o'clock at night. Um, there are two offers registered. You know, I'm not standing there looking at my email. Uh, so I see it an hour later, eight o'clock. I reach out to this agent and I say, hey, when are you reviewing these offers? I have an appointment scheduled tomorrow and my clients have expressed interest in the home. And her response was 10 p.m. Just short, 10 p.m. Uh, and at this point, it's already eight o'clock. So like, not practical that we're likely to get in, especially mm -hmm. with COVID. You can't overlap appointments and stuff like that. I don't know if you're doing that, but generally speaking, people here won't allow appointments to overlap. Mm -hmm. So you're very limited on when you can go, especially on short notice. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, so I was extremely frustrated because my clients are interested in the home. I received two hours notice at the reviewing office. I mean, I think it's ridiculous because it would be in the seller's best interest yes. to drag that out a day. Mm -hmm. I would think, and the house had only been on the market for one day, not even. Mm. So, you know, why not drag it out a day, let the next dozen appointments go through, and then maybe you have five or seven offers. So, and they were very short and snarky with me. It was very frustrating. It's happening here too. Um, one recently, I was showing a Toronto family. They drove up, they took the day off work, drove up. We It was a water access only property. I put you know, my husband took his day off work to trailer the boat behind the truck. We take it an hour and 15 drive from where we are, put it in boat all around. We got lost. We even had a map, <laughs> found, <laughs> it, found it, walked it, enjoyed it, thought it through, like envision, you know, your family here. What would you change here? And everything the showing was about an hour. I did block an hour, um, not including boating time. And, you know, they're, they're, they're excited about it. They got a lot of questions. They're not sold on the water access only, but you know, we're going through the motions. I get in the car, they had some questions. So I get in the car, we're now driving home. This is a total of, you know, at two and a half hours, three hours. Um, and I call the listing agent with all the questions that my buyers had. And he says, Oh, we've already accepted an offer on it. <laughs> when did they accept it before or during or during? Oh my goodness. During, and it's not, we, we had cell reception. You could have called me. You could have at least warned us, you know, and I'm like, wait a second, hold on, hold on, hold on. You've already, you've already accepted an, an offer. Like while, <laughs> while you're conducting showings, I know for a fact, there's two more showings right after ours. So you're not going to, you're not going to hold all offers at least like a, a couple days, you know, just to give and everybody. And you had no idea that there even was an offer. No, it's crazy. So I, I think a lot of the times a, agents are just looking for the easy route. Yeah. And not only, you know, knowing when or when not to delay offers or, you know, that that's a whole strategy within itself. So I'm not going to comment on that because that could be different for everybody. But at, a, at an absolute minimum, you know, we all have these systems that send it automatic automatic emails when offers mm -hmm. are registered, if they're registered properly, whether that's through the online system or called into the brokers and the broker does it, then this automatic email goes out to all the people that have shown the home um, or have a showing scheduled. They get that email. That's typically all that happens. But what I do and what our team is trained to do is not only do you send out those emails automatically, which takes zero effort, you mm -hmm. pick up the phone, mm -hmm. you text message, you call, you, you know, do whatever you need to do to make sure you've taken the initiative to reach out and speak with these people directly. Mm -hmm. Because 
as an example, that night I got an email at seven, not that it would have made a difference one hour's notice. They should have given me plenty more notice than that, but at least she should have taken the initiative to call me and say, Hey, Adrian, I know you've got a showing book tomorrow. We've got an offer. Do you think you might be able to get in earlier? Right? So. I have a question about irrevocable. Yes. I, I, I was showing a property and, and another offer came in six hours irrevocable. Are are we allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah. So just to explain, so anybody watching that doesn't know what irrevocable is. So on the offer, there's a section called irrevocability and you set a day and time. And basically that's you saying your offer is good and valid until that day and time. Um, it's very common that listing agents will request a minimum. Like they may say minimum 48 hours or minimum 24 hours. Um, it's usually just a request. It doesn't necessarily mean that they'll enforce it. They may be open to something earlier, especially if they get a really attractive offer. But you know, at the end of the day, you can make it whatever you want. You may mm -hmm. run the risk of pissing off the, the seller if, if they feel like you're trying to force their hand in a hot mm -hmm. market. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people do that and, and send me, not only send me an offer with a short irrevocable time where they're forcing us to make a decision, but it's a shitty offer. Yeah. Okay, so it's like, okay, you want me to get up, change my schedule, go call my client, send them the offer, review this piece of shit offer, and I have three hours to do it? I don't mm -mm. think so. Mm -mm. Um, I the vast majority of agents are respect will respect a reasonable time though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I can see somebody if they if they're sick of losing out on bids, I can see somebody going in with a six hour irrevocable as long as it was a strong strong offer. Sure. Well, and we're not allowed to know the contents of that offer either, no. right? So it's it's hard to advise yeah. my buyer on what to do. Yeah. I don't want them under the gun either. And sure enough, they were like, forget it, like six hours. I'm not having, you know, I'm not coming up with an offer right now for you to drop. No, like they were just, so then they lost that potential buyer. The seller lost that one too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I mean, even from the seller's perspective, they should want to get, like, I, I remember we were selling a house not long ago and I had five offers mm -hmm. already. And I had an email or an agent get back to me after I left him a voicemail, but the offers, and he's like, oh yeah, my clients would be interested, but only for $1.4 million, which was 200,000 under the asking price. So, you know, in that case, I've had a lot of agents would say, oh, don't bother sending an offer. We got some really strong offers here. We're going to, we're going to work with one of these. But instead I said, well, you never know what may happen right? Yeah. Because you never, never know. And yeah. the more offers I have in hand, the more uh, pressure that puts on the other offers to improve their offers. So a lot of different strategies we can use to uh, convince buyers to spend more. But at the end of the day, it's worth as much as someone's willing to pay. Exactly. That's what so I tell my a, buyers. Yeah. Right. They don't want to overpay. They're saying, I don't want to overpay. I don't want to overpay in this market. And it's like, don't worry. Like it'll sell for what it's worth. Yeah. yeah. Well, to, to sum it up for buyers, it's a very competitive market. You're going to be competing. It's inevitable. So mm -hmm. don't be afraid of it. Just go in educated, rely on your real estate agent for their advice on how to proceed with it. Uh, do your due diligence, get your finances in order. When you're at a house, if you think it's one that's really of interest, spend a little more time there, look in the basement, look at the utilities, do your due, you know, check and make sure that uh, if you have to go in without an inspection, at least you've maybe walked through a little bit more thoroughly with an open eye. 
Mm-hmm. Another thing, just quickly, two two things that happened um, up here that was unusual um, was we had submitted a full asking no conditions two separate buyers on two separate properties, uh, thinking it's a shoe, and we're like, oh, we got this, you know. And the seller takes the property off the market. Hmm. Both. Both, and it happened Different. with. Different, different properties, agents, different, different agents, properties. different properties, different buyers. Uh, you know, we have our heart set on it and I convince them, I take them all the way to the end and I say, we got, we're, we've got this. You're going in and asking, you've got no conditions. We've got this. And then they call and say, yeah, we've, we've decided to take it off the market. We want to keep our cottage in the family. <laughs> I, I, I'd call bullshit. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, okay, your property has been on the market for 89 days. It's about to expire. You have a full asking offer and now you're deciding to take it off. Like what? So that's been, that was unusual. And that happened twice. That's very strange. Mm -hmm. But it's also been a strange year. Maybe they realized, maybe they were getting a lot of use out of it. Maybe the beginning of the summer, they're like, oh, we're going to sell it. True. And then with COVID, they're like, let's spend all summer there. And then True. they decide, you know what? We love it. And the reason they were going to sell it is because the last five years, they were there for two weeks each hey, year. That's a good point. But still, mm-hmm. they should have figured that out a little bit earlier. <laughs> so that's a big letdown for your clients, unfortunately. This is what I'm telling you. I, I've learned so much this summer, this year, my rookie year of real estate, for sure. Uh, it's valuable for me to go through these experiences so that I'm knowledgeable going ahead. Uh, in my career, but definitely I can see why some agents may quit. <laughs> uh, just you, you get disappointment after disappointment. And, and because I guess I needed to learn so that I know, you know, later um, how to deal with these situations, um, I'm better for it. And uh, I'm stoked for my second year. I, I am. I'm stoked. I think it's going to be amazing. Uh, I did do, I did sell some places this year, you know, uh, it's exciting. That's good. Yeah. And I have a beautiful, I have a beautiful listing up in Powassan right now. It's a million one and it is a former wellness retreat. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous property. And I think it, it is, um, kind of maybe looked over perhaps I'm not sure why it's, it's private. It has 710 feet of shoreline. Um, beach, like it's just, I, maybe because it's just that much farther than, um, in Toronto or from Toronto rather, I feel like maybe that three, three hour mark maybe is too far. I'm not sure. I'm working on that, but yeah. So, you know, things are happening. I've got a listing. I've got buyers. I got like eight or 10 buyers right now that I'm working with and, and it's good. It's been a learning experience. That's good. Well, if you can make it through year one, then uh, I think you'll do just fine. And from what I see of you, you're very active on social. You're going to do great. Thanks. (laughs) I like this whole podcast thing, though, because I don't actually know of any other agents up here doing this. So I've kind of tried to dabble in it a little bit myself. I learned, obviously, a lot from you. So thank you, and Ariel, for exposing me to podcast life. Um, but sure. yeah, I, I definitely think this is such a great way to commute, to inform buyers and sellers like directly, like hearing it right from us, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's real and it's honest and it's unedited. And that's also cool because. And dangerous. I, 
<laughs> We've gotten into trouble because of it. You have? But, yeah. But, you know, and one of the reasons uh, that we got into real estate, speaking for myself and I imagine Ariel also, um, is that there was a big void in the quality of service being provided. Mm-hmm. And there's so many, and the, you know, the longer I'm in it, the more I see it. And, you know, we want to um, open people's eyes and educate buyers and sellers on that stuff so they actually get proper service because they're mm-hmm. spending a lot of money. It's a big investment of theirs and yeah. they need to be properly represented. So, you know, my end goal is just to educate people on what proper representation looks like yep. and where to get it. Yeah. That's yeah. It. And I want my clients to um, not just maybe pass my billboard face and and be like, oh, you know, she likes dogs too. Maybe I'll hire her. I want people to know me. I want I want us to get to know each other. I want to be the best representation for you um, because it is the biggest you know sale or purchase of your entire life. So I get that, and I I think it's important to gel with your agent. Like, don't just hire somebody based on an advertisement. Yeah, a lot of because cottage owners to live in the city, and they're who if they want to list their cottage, who are they going to go with? They're going to find whoever markets the most, or whoever like you know they see their face over and over again. Oh, that person looks professional. Go with them. No, I'm trying to use social media to show you who I am, and that you know what I have to offer as far as knowledge um, goes. Living here, you know, I I I think you should always hire an agent that lives and works in the area that you're looking in. If you're well, that's how up- I hired the, before we got into real estate, that's how I hired the agent to sell my house. He was, he had the most signs everywhere. Yeah. And it wasn't a very good experience. Yeah. So you need to do your due diligence yeah. and, uh, and, and really, you know, interview a number of people. Yeah, I agree. But thank you for coming on today. If you've made it this far in the podcast, make sure you subscribe, whether you're on YouTube or listening to the audio on SoundCloud um, or the one of many other places that it's streaming. Uh, follow us, like, subscribe, and give us a comment. Let us know what you think. Or if you have any questions about real estate, we'd be happy to answer them in upcoming episodes. Thanks, Thanks Aaron. Adrian. Have a good day. Okay, bye.